Welcome to Starseed's Angels Savant Syndrome. Basically ASMR. Basically. Let me give you some crinkly sounds in the background. Hello. How are you? Good, I hope. Very good. Excuse me while I log into my email, which is a student email. And you can get one too if you log into bccs.edu and create an account. I just used my regular real name because why would I not? Right? Makes more sense, I believe. And yeah, they don't mind at all. You can get all kinds of discounts online if you have a student email. Did you know that? Well, you should. Very handy indeed. Check it out. V ccs.edu
I hope you liked that. That is a very personal song for me. Meow, Tyler. Yes, yes. As soon as I start recording, he wanted to say hi. Meow. 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 Oh, sassy. Just like this show. That song was my first savant syndrome moment. My cousin had brought a piano over. And I never learned how to play. I'd mess around and poke at the keys and such. And she tried to teach me. But, um, you know, for the longest time in my mind, the idea was I don't know how to play piano. And that was the law that had ruled my mentality. I don't know how to play. And you realize that. Have you ever tried to grab a guitar? Maybe if you don't play guitar and, you know, or the first time you played and tried. And you'd pick it up and then you'd mess around and then you'd be like, I don't know. I don't know how to play, you know. It was, it's a common thing. We always want to say that. Giving ourselves the excuse, oh, I don't know how to play. To make up for the fact that we didn't kick ass right off the bat. <laughs> and it's forgivable, very much so. But... <clears throat> It's also not true. Not at all. My mom had went missing, and it's a long story. It wasn't the first time, but this time, she never came back. She's still missing, technically. I believe she's passed away. But I love her very much. Even though I gave myself every excuse to not go and see her for half of my life. By the time I had made up my mind to go see her, she went missing. And just like that, I hated myself deeply for lagging, for making up every excuse, for telling myself, I'll see her sometime. I'll do it next month, next month, next year. I can't. I got bills to pay. I can't take off work. Excuses. That cost me my mother from my life. And it was my choices that cost me that. It was my fault each day as I gave excuses. But I didn't have words to it then. I didn't understand 
the dynamics, but they only existed in my heart. And that hurt. <clears throat> and, um, it was right at the beginning sometime, right around the first week, I think, when I had first heard that she had gone missing. She she was up in Canada at the time, mind you. I didn't have a passport back then. I got one to go look for her, of course. And I was going to see her anyways because I had made up my mind, but that was not the idea of how I wanted to go up and... Yeah, anyways. So... I sat down at the piano one morning. I was distraught. I had no words. I didn't even know where to begin in, with my emotions. For a long time, I was... Uh, Barely awake. Sleepwalking. Long time. But when I sat down at the piano that, that morning, I... I didn't have any... beliefs of myself. I didn't have any laws set in. I didn't have any... care for things like... I don't know how to play piano. The thought never even entered my mind because I was so full, drowning in my sorrow. It overflowed from me. It overflowed from me so much that I began to play. And that song came up. I don't know where it came from. I don't even recognize the tune except for in the playing of it. I can't play anything else. Maybe I could. Hey. Maybe I just didn't sit down and let it through, too. In any case, that's where that went. That went there and now I don't know if I could play it again I, I've tried a couple times after you know through time and I, I just failed at it you know I don't know what I did it came through and it sounded beautiful didn't it I call it the light of Lorianne my mom's name Lorianne a psychic once told me that it was played at the moment that my mom had died. That's a very deep, hard thing for a psychic to say. Or careless and cruel. I don't know. But I had dreams of my mom afterwards, visiting me in my dreams. We would hug. I'm trying not to cry right now. It's hard. You know, one thing with um, emotions, especially for a man to have emotions, 
it can be really hard for other men to see or hear. And it can be even harder sometimes for women to see or hear. And it depends. It depends on what kind of lives they were raised with, men or women. And the thing is, is that it reflects how much we ourselves want to cry about the things in our lives. Or with empathy, the times that we have cried and the times that we wished that others were there for us. I've found that a lot of people just really ostracize a person who cries, especially a grown man who cries. I don't. I, I always have compassion, especially when a person is crying. That is the most sincere thing, important thing, that anybody can do. I believe it's important, and I, I'm always here if you need me. I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude, just like anybody else. Like if you want to talk to me, whoever is out there listening, you can talk. Like, come say hi. I'm not like other people. Like, I've noticed that it's really weird. Like, you know, you go and you go to meet other people online, you know, and they're, they kind of like, <clears throat> everybody kind of treats each other like robots. It's weird. It's so weird. You know, very impersonal. And judgmental, too. And, like, everybody kind of looks at each other, like, side-eyed. Like, you know, like, from the side of their eyes. Like, it's so weird. I'm not like that. I'm not at all. I'm very, very... I'm very open and personable and non-judgmental. I might sound judgmental a lot of times. But I'm not. Not to the person. Not to the... the, the not to the identity of the person or their soul or their, their self... I am judgmental to actions and scenarios, but to me, I see them as different, separate from the person, by default. Because, I mean, by default, we have to make all kinds of mistakes in order to learn. And in fact, generally, the way that we master anything and know a thing is by making a mistake, sometimes painfully, and usually mastering something, anything, in wisdom, takes the massive amount of pain and suffering from it, from making the mistake to the utmost level. So naturally, like, naturally, that has, that has nothing to do with the I am. The I am is a pillar of truth. It is what shines from you. It is not what wobbles to the side. Being dragged. Knocking over shit. No. And I don't find that... Um, it's very good to not speak up. Especially if you have judgments. If you have blames. Speak up. Speak up every single time. Otherwise, you're you're disobeying yourself. You're disobeying your heart. You're not following your heart. You're uh, being insincere to everybody around because you're not 
being open with your thoughts and your heart. And you're making a fear-based decision, right? Because you look at the things and the outcomes and you don't want a bad thing to happen, right? You think that, oh, they're going to act like this. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that because they're going to act like this. You don't know how anybody's going to act. That's punishing somebody before the crime is even fucking <laughs> a thing. Is even this... Uh, uh, is even a factor in a scenario that you are imagining. So don't tell yourself what other people are going to do. You don't know. You don't. That's the whole thing about miracles, and that's the reason why we need miracles so much. Because everybody thinks that they know what other people are going to do, but how often do you actually... Take a leap of faith, especially for others. Elaine de Botton puts it as that love is the generosity of interpretation of another person's not so appealing natures. Be possibly more benevolent. That's positive, more, more innocent, more loving than we have allowed ourselves to see it as. Let me say that again, and I'll try to word it in another way. He's saying that we should have patience and be generous with our interpretations of other people. We like to say that we know, but we never know. And it's horrible to gamble with punishing somebody when they may be innocent. That's a horrible thing. Never gamble with punishing the innocent. That's evil, that is evil. Never punish the innocent. And you always have to allow for the factor of yourself being wrong because it is evil to be stupid and punish somebody because you were stupid and you find out that they were innocent. And it's even more evil to deny completely after that, at that point, deny the evidence because you don't want to be the guilty one in your own mind. No, they were guilty. So you've effectively punished the innocent, gone into psychotic denial, and really have no truth or integrity in your belief and your reality. Not you specifically, but I mean, we do these things in life, many different ways, many different scenarios, and a lot of times we don't even realize it. How many times have you feared something and you just knew somebody would react a certain way so you didn't go through with the thing you didn't say something because you knew how they would react well, you didn't know at all at all there are people with greater senses of morality than you 
there are. You always have to accept that. And I know it's a hard one because you always want to see yourself as most innocent. But that's not true. You know, we always want to see ourselves as most aware. That is not true. We are not. Only as we humble ourselves to realize that, hey, you know, I, I'm not the most innocent. I'm not. I'm not I've, I've messed up, you know. And hey, you know, I'm not the most self-aware. I have denials. I'd like to be aware of them. Only as we admit these things do we allow ourselves to grow to it, to meet that. And so we should, always. Peter Joseph puts it as, to be found wrong should be celebrated. To, to discover your, your wrong should be celebrated for it heightens one to a higher level of awareness. And if you look at it, every single time you're making a higher level of awareness, ascension. That's from finding out that you were wrong before in your belief of reality. So if you already, always already know, then you're never going to ascend into a higher level of awareness. I believe this is why they say that the Essene in Egypt used to have their initiates, initiates bend down and kneel and, um, and crawl through that little thing in the pyramid to that spaceway. And they, was, they, they said it was to teach them to be humble and teach them humility. And I totally agree. Every level of awareness, of reaching a higher level of awareness, is through that means. And, you know, it's funny because it's like, it's weird, right? You know, <clears throat> you know, as you uh, mingle in the spiritual circles, you talk to spiritual minded people and you find that so many of them are full of ego and pride. And then, you know, um, well, that's what it seems like at first, at least, right? You know, people talk very like, almost pompous sounding, right? I, I'm sure I do to a number of people. Uh, some others do to me that, you know, I, I, I find others talk pompous too. But I, at this point in time, I've realized that it's not really pompousness. It's not. What it is is it's a, it's a, a enjoyment of expression as a, as a nature, as an art, as a, as a, as a, enjoyment of being able to stand up to something it's almost like a shy thing really if you look at it <clears throat> i don't want to say shy maybe that's the wrong way to put it. how about it? it's almost like a um like, a, like like we're children really happy that we're able to have said that we can do something that we did it and we're able to do something, and we're really happy. No? Yeah, there's Mr. Tyler again. <clears throat> Anywho. You can. You can do everything. There is no such thing as, I can't play piano.
there's no such thing as I can't play guitar. Whenever you find yourself in that moment, stop and try saying that you can. That's called savant syndrome, and you'll do it. If you lose the thought about it, the idea of wanting to do something, and you just do it, just do it. Stop trying to do it, just do it, you know? Do it from the gut. Forget the mind. Or even you could have your mind focused somewhere else if you want. Get drunk, too. That, hurt, that helps. Hey, the first time I sang and played ukulele at the same time and was able to multitask that, I was shit-faced in Vegas. And yeah, I brought my ukulele to Vegas. Of course. It's got sand from all over the world in it. Anywho, much love. You've been listening to Starseeds Angels Savant Syndrome. I am the Mystic Man. Thank you for joining. The Absurdity of COVID Cases by Jeff Deist, an audio Mises wire narrated by Michael Stack. Today's headlines announced Donald and Melania Trump tested positive for COVID-19. Another claims 19,000 Amazon workers got COVID-19 on the job. Both of these pseudo-stories are sure to ignite another absurd media frenzy. As always, the story keeps changing. Remember ventilators, flatten the curve, the next two weeks are crucial, and so on. Remember Nancy Pelosi in Chinatown back in February urging everyone to visit? Remember Fauci dismissing masks as useless? Why should we believe anything the political-slash-media complex tells us now? So what do these headlines really mean? What exactly is a COVID case? Since the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak, most U.S. media outlets have been exceedingly credulous and complicit in their reporting. Journalists almost uniformly promote what we can call the pro-lockdown narrative, which is to wildly exaggerate the risks from COVID-19 to serve a political agenda. They may be motivated to hurt Trump politically, to promote a more socialist new normal, or simply to drive more clicks and views. Bad news sells, but the bias is clear and undeniable. This explains why media outlets use the terms case and infection so loosely, to the point of actively misinforming the public. All of the endless talk about testing, 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 served to obscure two important facts. First, the tests themselves are almost laughably unreliable in producing both false positives and negatives. And what is the point? Are we going to test people again and again every time they go out to the grocery or bump into a neighbor? Second, detecting virus particles or droplets in a human's respiratory tract tells us very little. It certainly does not tell us they are sick or transmitting sickness to anyone. Take a perfectly healthy person with no particular symptoms and swab the inside of their nose. 
If the culture shows the presence of Staphylococcus aureus, do we insist they have a staph infection? When someone drives to work without incident or accident, do we create statistics about their exposure to traffic? A virus is not a disease. Only a very small percentage of those exposed to the virus itself show any kind of acute respiratory symptoms, or what we can call coronavirus disease. The only meaningful statistics show the incidence of serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths. The single most important statistic among these is the infection fatality rate, or IFR. Data collected through July shows that the IFR for those under age 45 is actually lower than that of the common flu. The COVID-19 IFR rises for those over 50, but it is hardly a death sentence. And the data does not segregate those with pre-existing health issues caused by obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. If we could see data only for reasonably healthy people under 50, the numbers would be even more reassuring. Mild or asymptomatic COVID cases are effectively meaningless. The world is full of bacteria and viruses, and sometimes they make us a bit sick for a few days. There are millions of them in the world all around us, on our skin, in our nose and respiratory tract, in our organs. We are meant to live with them, which is why we all have immune systems designed to help us coexist and adapt to ever-changing organisms. We develop antibodies naturally, or we attempt to stimulate them through vaccines. But ultimately, our own immune systems have to deal with COVID-19. The virus will always be out there waiting on the other side of any lockdown or mask, so we might as well get on with it. From day one, the focus should have been on boosting immunity through exercise, fresh air, sunlight, proper dietary supplementation, and the promotion of general well-being. Instead, our politicians, bureaucrats, and media insisted on business lockdowns, school closures, distancing, isolation, masks, and the mirage of a fast, effective vaccine. As with almost everything in life, state intervention made the situation worse. We can only hope many governors are removed from office either by impeachment or at the next election. Several, including Andrew Cuomo in New York and Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, should face criminal charges for their lawless edicts. There is no due process exception for public health. Lockdowns were never justified either in terms of the COVID-19 risk or the staggering economic trade-offs which will be felt for decades. They certainly are not justified now, given seven months of additional data showing that the transmission and lethality of COVID-19 are not particularly worse than previous SARS, swine flu, or Ebola pandemics. We still don't know how many of the reported 200,000 U.S. COVID-19 deaths were actually caused by the SARS-CoV-2 respiratory disease, or simply reflect people who died of other causes after exposure to COVID-19. We do know that the harms caused by the lockdowns far outweigh the harms posed by the COVID-19 virus. We have had nearly eight months of life and liberty stolen from us by politicians and their hysteria-promoting accomplices in media. How much more 
will we accept? For more content like this, visit Mises.org. I know that a lot of you might not know what to feel right now. A lot of you might feel lost. A lot of you might feel depressed. A lot of you might feel scared. And that's okay. Every feeling is okay. Remember that that feeling is not who you are. Allow yourself to settle. The more you try to fight how you feel, however you feel, We only make things worse, but if we allow ourselves to feel and feel, we allow the motion to move through us fluently. See, no emotion is wrong. No emotion is bad. You might have bad thoughts and you might have wrong thoughts, but the emotion must be felt in order to move through the thought. And as you let yourself feel... You realize that you are not the feeling. You feel, but you are not the feeling. You think, but you are not the thought. You are the ever-present, ever-silent viewer, listener, feeler. forever and one of the most powerful things that you can do is to have patience with yourself the reason why you might feel scared or depressed or confused is most likely because you may have built up an idea of yourself it's okay we all do it but that idea is not who you are You might have gained your strength from an idea of character. 
But the idea is not who you are. Who you are is a pillar that was there standing before you were even born. Before you experienced anything in this realm. Before you even were given a name in this realm. Who you are came through with you. You have always been it. And it has always been you. And through all of life you have been expressing it. Aiming to express it. More fluent. More true. Sometimes we get lost. And sometimes we feel more found. We come around to different times in our lives when we've been for something more. And then we come around in certain times in our lives where we feel bliss and content. And through these waxing and waning of our egos, of our personas, A sort of song plays out, starting off as a hum, eventually carrying a tune, and that song is yours, only yours. People can hear it. People can even hum it. But only you can sing it. Perhaps others could share your song too. If you could sing it. Most fluently. So it could be understood. Heart to heart. Never worry, you already are all that you need. You have everything that you need right now. And everything else is right around the corner. You are listening to Star Seeds Angels Savant Syndrome with your host, The Mystic Man. Thank you for joining. I don't know where I cut off, but I'll just uh, jump right back into it. So I was talking about what is a mystic and what makes a mystic a mystic. Is it all that? Ooh, magic. 
Or what if things are very much more practical than we allow ourselves to see? I believe that everything can be simplified. We are the ones that make things complicated. Much too complicated and much more complicated than things are. And when we get out of our own way, then we can see the truth. And that's what a mystic is. A mystic is somebody who understands things at a simple level to where the illusions that people have put up in their lives that blind them from seeing the truth don't apply. You know. And it always comes down to very simple lines, simple logic, simple practicalities that make sense of it all. I believe. That's my interpretation. I could be wrong, but it's uh, it's been pretty logical with me so far. And the thing is, is that you could say a thing that somebody else is in denial of, right? And you could say it logically, and they could understand the things on a two-dimensional scale, right? You know, they could understand the polarities of things, but when you try to put it in a, you know, aspect, in a dynamic, in a dimension, it doesn't comprehend, you know, and that would be specifically because of an emotional blockage. Always, it's an emotional blockage. And that's really all it comes down to. Everything, really. I mean, even when you look at things from... Uh, if you were to take the Bible... I love looking at it this way. If you take uh, Genesis as elemental and psychological factor, what you would find is... It's a very perfect representation for the expansion of consciousness in any way that you could consider it, you know? It's the way that things would happen. Maybe you could tell the story a little different, but essentially, it's going to come down the same way. And it's pretty much the same thing as astro what astrology really is, really, or numerology or tarot. It's all the same thing. I like to say it as the story of the houses. It's the, it's the story of how expansion happens with consciousness and the dynamics that happen in order for it to grow. Because dynamics have to happen in order for it to grow. You know, you can't have, for instance, you can't have the yin-yang duality forever and still have growth. Because it's, it's balanced, right? It's equal. And, you know, it's uh, the two fishes eating each other's tails. It's the, the, uh, the bullfight. The warrior Ares fighting the bull Taurus. Forever. And it would never stop. Because Ares is too self-centered. And Taurus is bullheaded. You know. And, you know, I know these ironies are, you know, these um, uh, similes, they might seem annoying to you. I remember when I used to listen to 
who's that astrologer guy? I met him too in Australia. Um, Santos. Yeah. He goes on with that shit. And I used to, I, I didn't believe in nothing he said at all. At all. So, I didn't pay attention. Until I learned astrology really and I found out that everything he said made perfect sense. And it's just I didn't have the ears to hear it, as Jesus puts it in the Bible. You know, Jesus was a mystic. There's a reason why he talked in parables. And that's the things that I am that asshole to try to come and try to not speak in parables. Which is hard. It's not exactly helpful since parables Parables are very powerful things, you know. It helps us to empathize with something. And there's another universal truth right there, too. Because you can't understand a thing until you understand it from within. You can know all the data you want. All the data you want. But it's not going to mean a damn thing. You're not going to be able to, to attach that in, into the physical world with any meaningful sense until... It's something that you've experienced emotionally, you know. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to associate. You wouldn't be able to, to append the value of it. Because all of our values are emotional values. They're emotional, personal values. That's to everything. Everything in our memory. Whether we like mommy's milk or we don't like the dog barking. Everything that has to do with our ability to remember time, the difference between events, and the importance of events, it has all to do with emotional values. And so if you can't append that emotional value, then the, the, the data you have is meaningless. I am um, applying for a position with the AI company that's um, just starting up over here, over in uh, Palo Alto. And, you know, I mean, I, I was I was typing out my, my um, cover letter and I just had to keep going because the things that I had to say were way more than just some cover letter could fill. So I just, I just kept going and really... I was surprised at what came up, which was a epistemological kind of look at things, but able to put things into a practical sense to where we could take practical, applicable action. And uh, that's always a great thing when it comes to project management. And especially when it comes to ethics, ethical morals, which is a huge, hugely underrated theme and an undervalued theme, I should add. It should be the priority of every single project manager on any uh, MLP, uh, GPT-3, work at all all of the, the developers and all of the 
project managers and all of the even even all of the um, people funding it the, the everybody really should actually care that's what it is that's what it comes down to is the power of care and the implications of care I don't just mean care for the work or care for the money I mean those yeah of course you gotta have those sure in our world right now but I'm talking about care for the value of human life and care for the 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 well-being of one another even if we don't know them even if they're not somebody that we're ever gonna meet I'm talking about in a basic concept of caring for humanity and for one another in humanity and it's a very practical thing you know there was a guy couple thousand years ago who came and he made a lot of very logical practical suggestions and he even showed a very clear example through action of how to do the things and the people watched and the people saw and they still talk about those stories today and it's argued these days whether it even happened or not and that's not even the real important point is it because as obviously I'm talking about the story of Jesus Christ. Now it wouldn't matter if it was a comic book because the logical things that he taught are still practical. They still would work. So it doesn't matter if it was a fucking, if it was a cartoon. It wouldn't matter because the storyline still teaches the things that would work. And it's undeniable that they would work. It's undeniable that they would help society completely. It would change the world. So why do we not Look at that. Why do we not value it? Why do we not, specifically not, want to? And that's obvious. As I've pretty much laid it out, it's denial. We're all in denial of many different things in many different levels, some of us more than others. And it's not a race, because we're all in it together. But it would help if we all were actually in it together trying and you know I mean I guess that applies to me in a lot of ways more than other people too and that's fair and it's good to be fair but the denial part let's talk about that because I think that that should literally be a at least number three priority to everybody on earth I think that one of the most horrific things you could do to your life and to the people around you is to have no interest in self-development. And I don't mean like, oh yeah, you know, be the best muscly or fit person that has a great, you know, whatever. Like, no, you live how you want. But when it comes to understanding your emotions, that's important. Understanding your, your mind and understanding the way that you work, that's important. Because there's many ways that you are you only by you being you and, and nobody else has that and you are unique in that and that's your power but also your curse and it can be either or and it depends on how you use it and if you even see it and then on the other hand there's universal laws that apply to all of us and a lot of times those universal laws are unknowns which are not a good thing. We shouldn't have universal laws be unknowns. And I, you know, I mean, okay, we have like the, um, a lot of the esoteric world 
you know, they they prefer to keep things a secret. I don't think that's a very um, authentic thing. I'm sorry to insult anybody if I am, but I I I, I look at things in the very way that Jesus put it in the Gospel of Thomas. He said, "When um, one does not hide a lantern under a bush, one puts the lantern up high for us to see." And he meant to see with, not to see the lantern and see that it exists. No, to see with the light that the lantern provides. That's the truth about truth. That's the nature of things that are true, of light, of, of, of undeniability, of, of purity, is that when you have it, you don't try to hide it to yourself or put it under a bush so nobody sees it. No, you hold it up high. Say, hey, this is the truth. That's how it works. Right? And I mean that that's how it works. Isn't That's a universal law. It's a universal concept of how the heart naturally wants to feel. And that's how a lot of these universal laws are going to um, be in dynamic. So keep that in mind. When I talk about universal laws, I'm talking about a thing of the pure consciousness that is of the heart, is of the soul. It's of the, the truth trying to reach through to the world through you and the other way around as well and when we don't acknowledge it that's when we suffer when we don't try for it that's when entire things collapse around us you know and we we you know blame God and we ask why me and you know we don't really keep in mind that the entire process is entirely self-designed you know we we put our i know I, I hate hearing that myself so you know i understand if you don't like hearing it either i know and you know i mean it's not all self self-designed in a specific way you know there's ways that of course other people have an impact on your life with their own free will and that's a very important thing to keep in mind because some people are in really crappy positions and they should not be told narcissistic things like, oh, it's all you. You know, that's not compassionate. That's not very compassionate to say. You know, so be considerate. But on a spiritual level, when it comes to the, the themes, uh, I like to call things egregores sometimes. It's an occult term. The egregores themselves that they very much are a self-designed thing because when you look at things in our life well what happens to us is based on our 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 choices of habits you know and habits that we form and habits that we don't break and that really very much entirely creates the uh, backdrop the theme the storyline if you will so in that way, yeah, it's all you. And you gotta take responsibility for it. You gotta try. And you know, the want is already there. Like, people, you know, we can't deny that we, we want to have good in our lives. We want the best for ourselves. And I believe everybody wants the best for everybody else too. But hey, you know, maybe, you know, not, I think that it, what it is, is the true self wants the best for everybody. But, you know, then there's the, um, 
a Posse Go, and it has its storylines, and that part, which is a factor of the self, say it's a dimension, that part doesn't always want the best for everybody else. That's a thing that would be best accepted in context, than denied completely. You know, we, we keep in, uh, we keep casting these really weird judgments, you know, on each other. Like, oh, well, that's ego. You're being the ego. And it's like, that doesn't do nothing. Like, you're not the better person <laughs> for, for, for trying to put the dude down because he, you know, fucking was egotistical. It's not a bad thing to call people out on their shit. Not at all. By all means. But, I think that, just as I said before, it's the care. You see, the thing is, is that you can tell the difference when a person doesn't care about something. And when a person does. Because the values that are aimed for, the things that are considered, are very different and specific. And only in the ways that, only in the factors when a person cares about another or cares about a thing, can certain things exist and come to fruition. Like, it's not a um, thing that's foolable. You know, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, yeah, okay, you could fool, uh, you could fool people, yeah, sure. But I mean, it's not foolproof. Like, it can be logically, systematically, and scientifically shattered to try to lie about something like that. And, like, let's, let's say, for instance, in modern times, we have the news, right? The news media, right? Now, there's a lot of bullshit lies going on with the media, and there's a lot of journalists that are trying their best to get news out there and not being heard. There's a lot of scientists, too, that are speaking up. There's a lot of doctors, too, that are speaking up. There's not much doctors on the other side of things, you know, the, the narrative side of things. Even the ones that are, are kind of um, turning their page, I want to say. Seems like it to me. And finally, right? I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing because it's about time. It's about time. I was scared when this all first started. Not like hella scared, but... Uh, there was a point where I thought that maybe nobody would ever wake up to see the truth. So you should be able to see things in perspective straight off the emotional value. It was the first time that I saw Fauci on the news and I saw him smile when the reporter asked him something about kids dying you know and I knew right then and there that that guy was not a fucking sincere guy that I would ever trust with anything you know the guy the dude smiled and the guy's asking him about kids dying what in the fuck millions of people should have caught that everybody should have caught that nobody caught that like, that's a clear sign right there. You don't have that kind of thing happen 
ever about a you know when it's a person that sincerely cares and doesn't want the kids to die right like that should be common sense if a person cares they're gonna have the elements of caring they're gonna naturally put forth the emotions of caring yeah sure you know maybe there's things and there's you know certain instances fine I'll give you that but not it's not gonna be a repeated thing that always always is a timeless classic to that person right now here's the logic of it really is that okay were the news and Fauci and the the, the CDC were, were any of them sincere was there a point in time where they were sincere no there wasn't there wasn't a damn point in time they were insincere every single point of the way you could tell by the ways in which they aimed their their attention the ways in which they aimed their their drive and their their goals their goals and that's exactly it is that you're gonna if you if you if you care about something it's gonna be proof in the pudding it's gonna be in the action right you know I mean sure things can be fooled by you know maybe assuming a you know a mechanical sort of way with things that are already predefined into a certain measure right yeah okay sure right but when it comes to caring and the things and the elements that arrive in life and experience to try that to put it on trial it wouldn't hold the person wouldn't hold because they wouldn't have the care within them to actually pass you know and I just mean from natural things coming up in life <coughs> and really I mean it's really quite simple when you look at like just the the practicality of the fucking the monetary system we have a system that rewards people to do evil shit and it makes it really hard for good people to succeed and it has been historically like that the system has been that it hasn't showed to be anything else but that so wouldn't it be a little bit psychotic to assume that it's for some reason ever different than that? I think so. I think it's completely psychotic to assume that there's anything but that going on. Except in the cases and in the ways in which sincerity shows itself. For instance, almost two years ago, There was one man who went before the United Nations and he called them out and he put them on blast like I've never seen before. And I mean, the whole world can see the damn speech. The whole world's watching. And he went and he called out the assholes 
that we're doing evil shit and that we're doing sneaky shit and that we're trying to do shit shady behind everybody's back and trying to get away with it. And he called them out. He put them on blast. And they were some of the richest people in the world. That was hardcore. That was savage. That was brave. And that was courageous. And you don't have that kind of thing done just by, oh, you know, just by them plotting it out together. Like, come on, you know, really? Like, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, like, have some plan where, like, that's like saying, like, okay, you know what? We're going to plan this out, and then you're going to come over to my house, and, like, you're going to, you're going to fuck my wife, and I'm going to act upset. Like, why the fuck would you let that? No. Like, <laughs> no, dude. Like, it's this kind of same concept, I would say, you know, the only difference is, is that these rich globalists probably wouldn't care so much about their wife as much as they would about getting their egos insulted I think you know that's generally the way it goes with people of um, wealth really but not always because that guy was the wealthy guy too the guy who spoke up and that same guy did it again at the beginning of this year, beginning of January, I think on the 1st, and he went before the World Economic Forum, which is exactly as it sounds, the World Economic Forum, that is the world's most richest people's club, they're the most the globalists. Come on. The, all the most wealthiest business owners, all the princes and kings and queens of their own nations. It's the globalists. Yeah. And, you know, even the guy giving, um, even the guy giving his introduction was nervous. Because he didn't want the guy to say anything crazy, you know, and he must have known the context. And he said, you know, I'm really glad to have so-and-so here. You know, this shows that he's really finally coming around to, you know, our, our plan or whatever the fuck. I can't remember exactly what it was. He said, it was something like that. And then, dude, you know, comes up to go talk and give a speech, and guess what? He laid it on them for an hour. Over an hour. Just insults after insults after insults. Now, now, you might not be able to catch it if you don't keep in mind the, the concepts and the, the aspects and the dynamics that, hey, he's talking to the richest people in the world here. Certain things that he's gonna say, like when it has to do with like America they're gonna insult them it's gonna be insulting to them in the context especially if they were trying to get control of America which he said in that speech too and he said and I roughly loosely quote 
America will never fall to the hands of unelected fascist dictators. And then he asked other countries too to not turn themselves over to their request to rule over them. Unelected officials. I don't know why that's a thing. Like, why is it seeking for power? I, you know, uh, JP put out a really funny comic skit about that one. Just check it out. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess, like, you know, people might think that it's intoxicating. I, I don't think so, really. I think that it's lazy. Really. And it's... Ironically... Ironically, it's weak. I mean, come on, if you look at it. It's like, it's like, okay, you're gonna play a video game, right? And you're gonna play the video game, you're gonna start off with all the motherfucking cheat codes on? <laughs> like, no, you're gonna start off a level of fucking zip with nothing. And you're gonna work your way up. And that's how it's fun, that's how it's enjoyed. I mean, if you just got everything right off the bat, then what's the point, you know? It just becomes like a stupid, stupid repetitive thing at that point. And you know, I guess whatever, you know, different uh, different things for different people, whatever floats your boat. But, you know, I mean, that's a kind of universal concept too, a universal law too when it comes to um, the, the, the grasping for control. You know, as we see a cat fall off a tree, it does not grasp for control. If it did, and it flung itself about, and I'm quoting Alan Watts here, and it flung itself about, it would fucking down, try to cling to itself, and it would fucking hit the ground, and it would break its back, and probably die. But it relaxes instead. And as it relaxes, it turns over, and it naturally falls on its feet. And it lands on its feet. Every time. I, you have a person drowning, right? A person drowning, if they if they fling about, then they're gonna drown faster. But if they relax, they float to the top. It's a natural concept. Uh, you know, they say that uh, a drowning person, you can toss them an anvil, and they'll, in fear, cling to it, even if they, they, they fucking are sinking all the way to the bottom of the ocean floor. They'll freaking hold it all the way down. And that is ridiculous. <laughs> like, really? You know, I mean, really, I guess, uh, you know, that's really what it is. If we look at it in a lot of ways, too, sure. We have the desire to control. And you see, the thing is, is that as a mystic, it's kind of embarrassing to look at. I mean, sure, you know, I mean... No, don't get me wrong, I, you know, I, I go through the emotions too, and I am a you know, person living his own life too. I make all kinds of mistakes. Don't get me wrong there. But it's just like I've made that mistake before. 
Um, it's embarrassing because I know that as I see it, you see, you only try to grasp for control when you feel like you don't have any, you know, and, and that comes from an emotional value, that comes from an emotional void, a, a void that is trying to be, you know, you're trying to fill it with something that it's not going to fill it, because it's not, it's not even the same context, it's not even the same realm, you know, to try to search and grasp and pull for control and power it's fear it's fear it's fear based it's the same thing with greed greed is a fear based concept you would not have greed if there was comfort that's the irony of it you see the thing is that comfort what is comfort? comfort is the feeling that you're fine as you are that you don't need anything right? You know? So what is greed? Greed is the opposite. Greed is the I don't have enough. It's cancer cell mentality. By definition, if you look at it, every healthy cell shares. Every healthy human cell freely shares. It doesn't take in more than enough to survive for the next several seconds. It trusts its surrounding neighbor cells to provide for it. And as it asks, it receives freely, completely trusting network of loving caring compassionate organisms that's our true nature too i mean if that's our ourselves as they're healthy if that's their nature then obviously we are a bigger uh, macro spectrum of that right and how does this healthy cell become a cancer cell well that happens through dehydration toxicity malnutrition in other words it goes through trauma goes through trauma which hurts it and it becomes afraid of it happening again if you imagine the great depression and what the great depression did to america pretty much like that that's where um that's really i mean if you look at it after that there was the entire uh social ideology war between the whole you know capitalism versus communism spectrum which became a false duality too it's not even real. It's not even a duality because these things are totally man-made concepts that are really ways of ignoring the very much more universal factors. It's like it's like a smoker, you know, trying to not quit smoking cigarettes, right? You know, and trying to deny the fact that he's got cancer and, you know, uh, but still at the same time trying to like work up his health and deny at all that smoking is the cause you know it's it's like both capitalism and communism are wrong they're bad it's like a dead cat and dead dog is on the floor it's been dead for fucking 50 years why the heck would you think that that's the way <laughs> why would you think that either one of that is the way to go there's dead on the floor you know we made those things up we could make other things up and I did I already did too I wrote that in an open letter to the World Economic Forum not long ago 
And in it, I described a project that I've been working on. I explained the logical process of it. I aligned it to blockchain and the Bitcoin process, and I um, then I added my little film there too. Yeah, and I inadvertently, totally on accident, ended up answering the uh, the question, the Peter Joseph's question, when he asked the three questions on um, you know the whole zeitgeist thing, the the uh, economic fallacies like structural violence because I put that at the end of my open letter I, you know just remembering what he talked about but I didn't remember that and see that in um, perfect you know linear context to where he asks that's why he asks at the end like if you know any way to solve this you know without um, taking down the capitalist system then please let me know. He didn't, you know, he seemed like he didn't believe that there was a way. And I will be honest, I didn't believe that there was a way for a long time either. Because I saw that video maybe like three years ago. And I didn't think there was a way. And hey, you know what? I found a freaking way. We created a whole another market economy based on entirely different value systems. And it makes sense. It makes practical sense. The things that we value right now are not very valuable at all. Now when it comes to our survival as a species, and the things that we've been ignoring, well, those are actually really important values that we all really care about in our lives. So why would we not monetize that? It could be an entirely, it should be, and it will be. How about that? It will be a entirely new system, completely independent of the one we have now. It doesn't have to uh, jeopardize it. It doesn't have to intermingle with it at all. It can be completely separate. And this way it does not uh, harm any investors' uh, relationships or special interests. And it can entirely exist side by side in harmony, or it can completely be swapped for it. I think that eventually it would. And I think that it would be more practical too. So why not? Right? I haven't gotten a word back yet from the World Economic Forum, but I'm still going forward with it. I mean, this has been in the making for what, like five years now? So I'm definitely not stopping now when we need it the most. And this isn't even the only plan. Like I've seen other people, they've got really genius plans too. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I've seen this one woman, she wrote, um, her and a couple other women, they came up with this amazing piece. It's like, I, I can't remember the uh, specific legal word for it, but you know, it's kind of like another um, constitution, really. Uh, they said it good. They said it really, really good. <laughs> you know, because the thing is, is that our constitution was entirely sexist. It was. They completely left out the females, the women. They didn't even invite them. And I said that kind of, you know, in a corny way, but it's true. It's true. And that is an important thing to understand and value and in context. Because when we're talking about legalities and we're talking about something that's, that's supposed to be a uh, foundational truth and an accepted concept that becomes not so much a, uh, a decided thing, but more of an uncovering of a 
wholesome in the, as in the whole community agrees that this is a uncovery of a natural law, a natural concept. In Hawaii, that would be the kapu system, which is the, basically the legal system that is really funded fundamentally in the spiritual realm, but plays out in the physical. And really, I mean, if you look at it, that's what all law is really striving for. Everything when it comes to justice is seeking to find that that universality that that's already there because it exists. It does. We have it ingrained in us from our heart, and we also have aspects of denial that don't let us look at it, that that keep us from it. You know, it warps our value systems. And the thing is, is it's very fickle. It's very fickle, and it's very elusive. But it is solid. It exists in a very much fundamental foundation, and it can be argued. I, well, I mean, heck, I argue it all the time. That it's one of the things that I strive to do is to pretty much fulfill what a lot of others have done before me, and and, and really. You know, created the, um, they really created the foundation, actually, really. It's already there. It's just that people are not educated enough to go and respect it and, and learn it. You know, these concepts like, for instance, David Hume. David Hume did a huge one. It, it explained how the passions are what control our actions. And it should only ever be like that. He said it that way, and I agree. It should only ever be that way. Said it as um, reason is the slave to passion and only ever ought to be the slave to passion. And you see, the thing is, that might seem really, you know, backwards, right? You know, you might think that that's backwards. Like, oh, okay, why the heck would we want to put our passions as our leading factor over our sense of reason? And let me tell you why. See, the thing is, is that all of us, if you really sincerely look at it from a purely sincere way, you see that, hey, you know what? We're always freaking obtuse. All of us are blind. We're always going to be missing the point if we're seeing things just from our own angle. And that's because the reality that we live in is not something that's just in our own perspective. You know, it takes two eyes to see depth. You know, in the same form of matter, it takes multiple people to see truth. And it takes multiple people communicating freely in order for that truth to be grasped. Because the reality we live in is not just a dimension that can be grasped by a single person. It takes that teamwork, it takes that community, and it takes that society. And the more you have together, working together, trusting one another, the more that depth can be reached. And it cannot ever at all be reached by one person arguing that everybody's wrong. And I hate saying that, right? Because I'm usually that one person, you know. But the thing is, is that it's true. It's true. 
it's it's by default i mean that does not mean that that one person could not hold on to a truth that everybody else does not understand but the thing is is that you see the irony is that they're doing it out of love just by default by the way you know you don't go and tell you know that, like i said with the truth earlier you know the truth is something that you hold up high for all to see and that's the thing because you do that because you care you want people to see <laughs> you know you don't want people to be blind nobody does why would you want, why do people want that i think things like the cia the fbi all that shit it is such a bad idea to have people not know the truth and be, be running around with lies in their heads and not understand things dude that is such a bad idea and you'd have to keep generating it too uh no that cannot ever lead to harmony come on <coughs> this is sincerity if the ants which are aimed for and they are claimed to be aimed for were sincere then you would have truth you have reality you share the expression that is real you know, all the fucking lies and all that bullshit. Ugh. Ugh. You know, it sucks. And it sucks that we still are in that kind of, you know, world where we have to respect some of the laws of that, you know, revolve around that in certain ways. Sure, we do. There's always the, uh, There's always the certain cases, you know, that, that are different. Not everything is always the same thing every time. And you always have to respect that. Because... You could defeat... A hundred enemies. And they could all walk the same way and wear the same armor. But if you're not looking and paying attention to see when one of those things is off, but the rest look alike. Well, that, that's going to be the time when you accidentally harm somebody that's innocent. And it happens. It happens all the time. It just happened to me, actually, recently. I mean, it wasn't such a huge deal, I think. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say It's not my right to say that, really. I mean, I'm just saying that, that it's not a huge deal because it was things... There's something online. I, uh... I claimed somebody was something that they weren't, and it really looked like it, you know, it just looked like a hacker, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, it looked like a hacker, right, you know, a person comes up and they got like, you know, hella fake bullshit, you know, it's gonna fucking probably be a hacker, right, but not necessarily, you know, it, it don't, it don't really happen.
And it wasn't. I think. I mean, I know maybe it was, but anyways, that's that's the thing. Oh shit! Right, I'm gonna take this thing out. There we go. Oh, I'm back. So I caught all that. That was fun. I think we touched on uh, three, three, maybe four universal truths there. It's all things of the heart, really. I mean, if you just pay attention to sincerity from the heart, like, and, uh, and follow that all the way, all the way, you know, don't, don't turn. Um, I mean, you're going to turn eventually, but, you know, because it's a hard thing, I mean, to go all the way, but just try to follow the heart all the way. And that's going to lead you all the way to God. Of course it is, because God is love. It's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. And a lot of times, we might not want to go through with it anymore. That's fine, too. But you'll come around. We always do. Uma o que é o que ainda fica por não. Outro menino.